This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Canterbury is a melting pot of cultures with refugees and migrants making Christchurch their new home. With new surroundings comes new opportunities and challenges. Stay tuned as Canterbury Cultures takes a closer look at their experiences. Hi everyone, you're listening to Canterbury Cultures and my name is Maria and today with me I've got our wonderful training manager Erwin Lacruz all the way from Wellington. Hi Erwin. Morning Maria, Hi. nice to be here. Hi. There are not that many Venezuelans in New Zealand, are there? Oh, thank God, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, there are quite a few. There are quite a few. Yeah, mm. so I'm not the only one, so there are other, other Venezuelans around. There mm. are a few here in Christchurch. As well. Yeah. So you come, uh, you live in Wellington? Yeah, I do. I'm oh. based in Wellington now. And when did you come to Wellington? Uh, this time, that was in 29. Um, yeah, September 29. Twenty oh nine. Twenty oh nine. Two thousand and nine. Yes, you said this time. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? He came oh, twice. Yeah, I've been to New Zealand before twice. That was in the year two thousand and two thousand and one. Mm. But for a shorter period. Yes. So in two thousand and nine, you actually moved. Uh, yes, I went. To, I didn't move. I was doing a um, PhD at Vic. That's why I came to, mm. to New Zealand. Mm. So you came for that reason, to do your PhD. Yeah. And your PhD was in linguistics. It was, yeah, in linguistics. I was working in, in phonology, um, the acquisition of the phonology, the pronunciation mm. of, uh, of a second language. Right. So you've always been interested in second languages? Uh, yeah, pretty much. Um, since I was a kid, I had this uh, curiosity about languages. Mm. Mm. So in Venezuela, a lot of people speak English? Not really. Mm. Um, so I would say it's a very monolingual um, society. So Spanish is the, there is no official language, but it's the de facto uh, official language. So all the, the media, the press, books, uh, instruction, everything is in, in Spanish. Mm. Um, but again, when I was a kid, my first uh, introduction to foreign languages was Italian. Mm. Or, or something that sounds uh, like like Italian. So. <laughs> nice to hear, because I'm Italian, and I know that a lot of Italians migrated to Venezuela in the past. So in my street, there were like uh, three, four Italian families, and the kids who were my age, they uh, spoke Italian, and, and that was my curiosity. I said, what is this language that they, they speak? And I thought there was a special power in, in the language, because every time we were playing football and someone made a foul... Um, they will say these enchantations in, in Italian and then they get up and carry on playing. Later on, when I learned Italian, I, I found out that it wasn't quite enchanting. <laughs> <laughs> and so you, so you learned a little bit of Italian from a your little, friends? A little bit from my friends, uh, quite a little bit. Then later on, I, I did a little more in, at uni. Mm, as uh, well. Yeah. So where, where did you learn your English then? At university uh, as an adult. So I studied... Um, and equal to English uh, literature so, mm. uh, at university. Mm. I studied um, translation studies and, and literature. Mm. And then I did uh, linguistics. 
And so then you discovered this possibility of doing the PhD in New Zealand. Mm, yeah, more later, or less. later yeah. on. Later Ma- on. Much later on. Yeah. Later on. <laughs> yeah. That's wonderful. And then, of course, then you brought the whole family to Venezuela. Yes. Uh, my wife is also a, a linguist. So we came together to do the, ah, the PhD. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so your wife is Venezuelan too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so is anything that you miss from your culture? I know you're very much happy in New Zealand, but is there anything that you, uh, especially for the children, I know, how old were the children when they came? Uh, three and five. So mm. by now they are, they're more Kiwi than, than, yeah. than Venezuelan. Yes. Something that I miss. Oh, maybe the weather. I'm, I'm, I'm a wimp. Anything <laughs> below 20 is freezing for me. So perhaps that's the one thing. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And so the weather is... The, and what about for your kids? Is anything... Because I remember when mine were growing up and speaking English more and more. And, uh, you know, sometimes they spoke English so fast that I didn't get what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And they would just dismiss me. We've just said it once. You know, they didn't want to repeat again. And I just thought, oh, my God, my children are becoming real Kiwis now. But, you know, there is something that I wanted them to retain, which was, of course, my language, but also some other parts of my culture. Is there anything that you feel close that you would like them not to forget or be part of their culture when they... Yeah, I would say the language is perhaps the the main thing, the one that we have put more effort into it. Yes. Uh, trying to encourage them to keep using the, the Spanish language and talking to us in Spanish and yes. and not in English. Um, I think that's that's the main one. Yes. I tried with the music, but um, they gave up. So, Dad, I don't really get this uh, Latin American music of yours. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I know. They love the English music, which I must say is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing there. But, um, and the kind of music I like, um, yeah, they're right not to like it. <laughs> <laughs> Bit old fashioned yeah. for them. And so, because for me, my main thing is was that I went back to Italy many times. Mm-hmm. So when my children were younger, and so I was lucky that my children kind of didn't just think I was really strange. You know, they kind of saw the other culture where a lot Mm. of people were strange as me. So they kind of understood that a lot of Italians are as strange as their mom was. So I know that for you it's harder to go back in some... Yeah, it's mm. uh, it's been difficult. Um, Now with COVID it's uh, impossible, but even before that... um, it was difficult to travel. Um, but yeah, that, uh, I mean, uh, the opportunities that I've been back with the whole family there. I remember when my kids were at school, there was a point in which I started to say, no, this uh, language that my parents speak, it's, it's something weird that only they do. What's the point of uh, using Spanish at all? Mm. So they were starting to to talk more in in English to us. They they didn't want us to, um, to talk to them in in Spanish. Yes. But then we went uh, home for um, an, a longer period. We had to do some research back, uh, collect some data. So we went there for, um, for a longer period, almost three months. And of course, uh, we had the opportunity to uh, put them into school and they realized that, well, it wasn't, as you said, just mom and dad who were using these uh, strange things. So they were using Spanish and living in a Spanish-speaking culture, talking to family, friends, and all of that. And uh, so they saw the point of that, mm. and they came back and, and they accepted. 
this Using, bag. Yeah. Yes, because it's true. They really need to be exposed to the world. Otherwise, how do they know that exists another world where yeah. they all speak that language? And also, I don't know your children, but I'm sure they are. They did. They just think it's they are such cool countries where they, we come from. Um, yeah. Uh, did you one? They find it interesting. <laughs> yes, I mean they they kind of want to talk to people and. Uh, Yes, there is a fascination. And in mm. fact, a lot of our interpreters, which is really amazing, have moved. And, um, you know, I even know people from Hong Kong, interpreters, and the children went right back, even though they were even born here. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the children, migrants, want to go back to the original country, which mm -hmm. is a bit scary in some ways. <laughs> <laughs> because most of us moved because we thought it was better for the kids to move. Mm. And then the children want to go back there. So it's a, it's a fascinating thing, isn't it? Yeah. And I, and I don't know if it's because once you're away from your from your country, you tend to idolize mm. the things and, and you tend to remember just the, the good things mm. and not the not so good things. So perhaps the children grew up in, in this. Yes. Um, yeah, but again, uh, in my case, my children, I've, I think they are quite uh, adjusted to uh, to the New Zealand way of life. Uh, yes. They will struggle. Yes, in, if they went. In, if they in Latin went America. They're yes. happy to go there as a tourist, but yes. life there, I think they will yes. struggle. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, that's good. Mm. And so um, I, I was wanting to ask you to a nice, if you have in mind a nice song, that uh, Venezuelan song, of course. Okay. That we could play. Okay, so yeah, one of the songs I have there it's uh, called Dulce Añoranza, or Sweet Longing, mm. and um, it's an instrumental song. So perhaps we mm. we could listen to that. Yeah. Is this an old song or is it a modern song? It's uh, music. It's a Venezuelan uh, waltz. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, an old style of music, but it's still being played. Not mm. not as popular as uh, dancehall music, I can, but. Yeah, it's more yeah. of a... So more, most Venezuelans know this music. Yeah. Okay, so no words, just music. Yep. Oh, let's listen. So say the, the title in, in the Spanish again. Dulce Añoranza. Dulce Añoranza. Okay, let's listen to this one. Thanks.
that was very nice, Erwin. <laughs> Just wanted to ask you about your work here in New Zealand. So you did your PhD in linguistics, mm-hmm. and then you are now our training manager at Interpreting New Zealand. Um, but before becoming a training manager, you you became an interpreter for yeah. Interpreting New Zealand. So how did that come about? <laughs> yes, tell us a bit about that. Okay, so I've been working before back home as a as a translator and interpreter. My main job were as a linguist. I, I taught uh, linguistics, English linguistics, and I did research in, in phonetics and phonology. But uh, my uh, BA, I did a... Um, uh, translation. So I also did a little bit of uh, translation as well, but not that much. There is a lot of work. You have to sit in front, for a, in front of a computer for too long, yes. and I don't have the patience. Mm. Um, and also a, a bit of, uh, of interpreting. Not a lot, but a little bit of uh, interpreting, mainly conference interpreting. In, in Venezuela? In Venezuela, yeah. Mm. And then when I came to do the PhD, I, I heard about interpreting New Zealand. And they were looking for for interpreters, so I applied and did the training course with um, Daniel Cheng, the training manager at that time, and I started working uh, as an interpreter here. Is there anything that you learned that was new for you during this training? Yeah. Even though you already had experience, you already had your degree. Yeah, the main difference here is that the the setting where I had to work. So it's mainly community interpreting. I was doing a little bit more of um, presentations. Um, Conference. Conferences. But here is uh, more uh, community interpreting, so interpreting for medical consultations, for the courts, um, wins that, that kind of setting. And that brings a whole set of um, different um, skills and, and challenges as well. Mm. So, mm. yeah, so in the course, I, I became aware of how to deal with those situations, how to to work in, in a very different setting to the one uh, worked before. Yes. And so if, you, if, if there was something that you want to say you really enjoy of being an interpreter, is that something, I mean, first of all, mm-hmm. do you like the job of being an interpreter? Mm-hmm. And then what is it that is uh, you particularly like of the job? Um, yes, I, I do really like uh, being an interpreter. Um, on the one hand is that um, putting your, your language skills into, into practice. So, mm. And that is something that um, I've always been um, interested in. So how to convert something, how to different codes can work, to different language systems can work. And actually, when you are interpreting, you are putting those uh, things into, into practice right there. And the other thing is the, through interpreting, I've been able to get to know uh, parts of New Zealand and parts of the society that I think I would have never been able to become aware of them um, if I were not being interpreting. Yes, quindi a variety of situations. The variety of situations, institutions, and I mean the whole human dimension, if you want. Mm, yes, mm. yes. And uh, yeah, for me it's the same because I also did the interpreting course and I'm interpreting for the Italian language, not as much as you. Uh, for me also in the interpreting course, what I really loved was to have all these people from different cultures. Mm-hmm. So for years and years and years, I was used to either mix with Kiwis 
or be with Italians. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really mixing with this, such a diversity, especially in the latest years in Christchurch, such a wonderful diversity of, of people. And to me, that was really enriching yes. to get to know really quite well, you know, Koreans, Afghani, you know, cultures that I really didn't know anything about. Yeah. Especially as a training uh, manager. Um, yes. That's when I have the opportunity to, to interact with um um, students from, from all different um, cultures, that's very enriching and I find that's a, a privilege. Yes. Every time that I stand uh, in front of a, a group of people, I don't know, it could be standing in front of 10, 15 different uh, cultures, nationalities and cultures and it's very, very um, enriching as well. Mm. So, so at the moment you're doing both, a bit of interpreting and the training manager yeah. for interpreting New Zealand. Yeah, so I'm, I teach the the introductory course and, and professional development courses, but I also work as a as a, as a Spanish interpreter. Mm, mm. That's great. And uh, so you are the only training manager really for the, so the interpreting course in New Zealand for us. Mm-hmm. So where are the places that you teach? Is it, you come to Christchurch? Christchurch, Nelson and Wellington. Mm. Um, we've also done the training course in in Dunedin and Auckland. So, but at the moment we're focused on this, uh, focusing on these three um, centres, mm. Wellington, uh, Christchurch and, and Nelson. Mm. We try to do the introductory course once a year. Mm. So in the introductory course is that we, we look for people who have strong language uh, skills, that is a good command of English and a good command of um, of another language, and then we introduce the principles of uh, interpreting in, in in the New Zealand setting. So what are the things that you have to learn to do as an interpreter um, and the things that you are not supposed to do as an interpreter yes. as well? Yes. So I think because our listeners might be bilingual as well, and so they might think, you know, any bilingual person could be an interpreter. What do you think of that? Well, of course, uh, that's the, the first condition. You need to be at least bilingual to to work as an interpreter, but that's not the only um, skill that you need to um, acquire. I usually refer to to the interpreting skills sets as three main areas. So you need the linguistic skills, an excellent command of English because we're working here in, in New Zealand, and an excellent command of another language. Yes. So those are the linguistic skills. The other one is the transferring skills. So you need to be good at finding the way to retell the story in the other language. Mm. So trans- transferring... Transferring, this, yeah. If the, you the want, message. so you hear something in English, how can I put this in the other language? Or if someone says something in, in the other language, how can I find a way to put this message in English? And you have to do very quickly. You have to think on your feet and you have to be accurate. Mm. So that that's a special skill. It's not just enough with being very good into languages. You have to have this transferring. Mm. And this can skill. be learned? It can be learned. Mm. Um, some people will take shorter to learn it. Some people will take longer to learn it. And But that can be learned. And the mm. other one is the um, interpersonal skills. Mm. How you interact with your clients. Mm. How you interact uh, in the middle of an interpreting job how you manage uh, the challenges that you may come across while interpreting. Mm, so also how you conduct yourself. Yeah, how you, you know, carry the, yourself, yes. um, what to do when 
when people don't understand the role of the interpreter, um, when they request the interpreter to do things that are really not in the in the job description, so to say. Mm. So in, in other words, learn you have to learn what is the the expected way to to work as a professional interpreter. Mm. Yes, and so you call it introductory mm-hmm. because it's just an introduction. Mm, yeah, so it's just the foundations to work in in as an interpreter again in the community in the community setting that uh, requires a particular set of skills again as i was mentioning earlier it's different interpreting for conferences for presentations and interpreting say for a police interview that yes. will require a different set of um, of skills uh, of a skill. different way to approach uh, your job yes mm-hmm. and so after done after we all have done this introductory course then, of course, there is still to learn something over the years. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, I, I don't think you ever stop uh, learning. Um, but, um, yeah, so after the course, we do um, an assessment just to check that um, the people that are going to be working for us uh, perform in the way that we expect them to, to, to interpret. And after that, we offer our interpreters um, regular professional development opportunities. Great. So I just want to uh, thank you so much for being here. And I remember everyone that Interpreting New Zealand is a not-for-profit organization that uh, trains and also offers the service of uh, qualified interpreters. Thank you so much, Erwin. My pleasure. We might finish with a little song again. Bye-bye. Bye. días que me queden los iré a pases pensando no volveré a torear un toro no volveré a torear un toro ni a cruzar un río nadando tampoco ordeña una vaca tampoco ordeña una vaca ni a trajinar en el barro no vuelvo a picar una soga ni a marcar un orejano y tal vez ni pegue un lazo en un mastrantal quemado ni a sacar una tarea Con copleros veteranos 